Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Awesome. Everyone enjoying those beautiful summer nights where you just sleep so soundly and never wake up during the night? had the uh, fan over the bed going last night, had to have earplugs in to stop the noise of the fan over the bed, and uh, had dreams of monkeys and possums just above me, and uh, anyway, that's what I'm preaching on today, it should be interesting. Actually, I'm going to read from this uh, awesome scripture in 1 Samuel 22. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. And then others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. What a great crew. All these guys sitting around with their arms folded saying, yeah, you tell me what to do, buddy, because I'm discontent. I owe money, people are after me, and uh, I'm in trouble. So, exciting. David took them, though. He took them, and we see that they changed. They changed because David changed them. This message today is called The Year of Living Dangerously. Living Dangerously. The question is, are you a dangerous Christian? Because Jesus is dangerous. David was dangerous. Anybody who gets close to God gets close to danger. Into the highway to the... Very good. Still some old people in this church. Thank you, Lord. Um, Look, Christians can be thought of by the world or even by ourselves. We think we're just supposed to be nice people. Supposed to be gentle, meek and mild. We get along with everybody. We just go with the flow. We don't say much. We don't do much. We're sort of a beigey sort of crowd, grey sort of boring people. That is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be dangerous people. There's a bit of an edge to Christians. There should be a slight edge. The, the coin of Christianity, one half is loving and one half is dangerous. We need both of those things. If you don't have one of those, you're an unbalanced Christian. But Jesus was a dangerous person. He came into a situation. He turned things on on their head. People started to get upset. What's he saying? What's he doing? Because they're all in a current going that way, and he's cutting right across. Sometimes he's, he's sort of flowing with it a little bit, but then a lot of the times he's not. And wherever he's clashing, there's sparks flying because he's dangerous to be around. The disciples sometimes say, oh, don't say that. You're going to lose everybody. Or don't say that. You're going to offend somebody. And Jesus just, this is where I'm going. I'm going there. And it's going to hit some apple carts and it's going to rock some boats. But that's who I am. And he just did that. You know, we can be uh, nice Christians. We need to be nice people. In fact, everyone in this church is a very nice person. But we also need to have that dangerous edge on us as well, particularly as we go outside. We want to be both because 
a nice Christian will be gentle and caring and loving. And that's true. We want to be gentle and caring and loving, but we also want to not leave people where they are. We can have a bit of salt in what we say and give them a little bit of a challenge, a little something to think about. So they think, did he really just say that? Who's, that's interesting. I haven't heard anyone say that on the Today Show. Those morning shows, even the news now, it's like it's, like, it's equivalent to New Idea standard. If you really love reading New Idea magazine, then you must love watching the news on TV because that's the sort of the level of quality of debate and journalism. That's a dangerous thing to say. And I say it with all my heart. Nice Christians are lambs. Dangerous Christians are lions. Jesus is a lamb and a lion. He was loving and caring, but he also spoke it like it was. And he caused some feathers to be ruffled until the point where his life was in danger. I'm not necessarily wanting you to go and just stir up hornet's nests for the sake of it. But we are prepared to stand out. Lamb Christians tend to fit in and not be noticed. Uh, Lion Christians stand out from time to time for good reasons, not because of the daggy clothes they're wearing. Lamb Christians are generous to their friends. Lion Christians are generous to strangers as well as their friends. Lamb Christians threaten nobody. Lion Christians shake it up and get a bit of revolution happening. A lamb Christian never disagrees in the office or in the family conversation. A lion Christian will occasionally respectfully disagree. I'm not sure I quite agree with what you're saying. I can understand why you think that, but yeah, I don't really agree with that. A lamb Christian buys everyone at work a coffee. What a lovely thing to do. A lion Christian buys everyone at work a coffee and gives each one of them an invitation to church. A lamb Christian listens to everyone's problems and a lion Christian listens to the problems and then says, hey, do you mind if I pray for you about that issue right now? Let's just go quietly into our own little private spot no one else has to know and I'll just pray for you. I really want to pray for you. Is that okay? Because lion Christians are just that little bit edgy, a little bit dangerous. Lamb Christians can be so worried about what they shouldn't do, whereas lion Christians are focused on what they should be doing. Lamb Christians can be worried about, no, 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 shouldn't be doing that, shouldn't have this, shouldn't speak like that, shouldn't wear that, shouldn't think that, shouldn't get involved with that, shouldn't listen to that. Whereas lion Christians are so focused on what they should be doing. I'm going to love that person, I'm going to meet with that person, I'm going to have coffee with that person. I'm going to be, with, I'm being nice to all the people on this side of the church. Sorry, guys, over there. Bunch of lambs. <laughs> now you're lions too. Everyone over here. Oh, that was nasty, wasn't it? Oh, there you go. Dangerous Christians say dangerous things, you see. Okay, I'll, I'll switch things around. Okay, just be fair, because I'm a lamb at heart. Lamb Christians... You guys can be a bit nervous about having too much fun. Oh, we're laughing too much in church. Oh, no, I'm joining in the joke at the office. Whereas lion Christians, they're part of the fun. They're adding to the fun, throwing fun on the fire of fun. 
the Lamb's Christians can somehow think that God's all sorted. Sorry, guys. Can somehow think that God is all sorted. I've got it all sorted out. It all works like this. This is how it all fits in together. Lion Christians are thinking all the time, God is much bigger than I thought he was. There's so much more. There's another another step I haven't taken. I can hear God's voice calling me out deeper into the water. Lamb Christians are worried about getting comfortable and lion Christians are trying new things and are feeling God challenged them about the, the uh, living like Jesus. And the list can go on and on. You know, David was not a particularly nice person. He was a, it said he was a man of war. He killed things. He killed animals and he killed people. And you know what God said? I like his heart. I like a lion-hearted person who's not afraid of a challenge, who's not afraid to, to do something and to take a step. I like that. Yes, he makes mistakes, but he's got heart. He's got color. David killed a giant. He'd already killed bears and lions before that. You know, David spent a lot of time as a young guy, a lot of time looking after sheep. What did he do? He took a harp. He played songs. He became quite good at it, so good that he got hired to play for the king. He was a good harpist. He was a rocking guitarist, playing ballads. He played Stairway to Heaven and just got the king into that zone. In the Hebrew, it's a much more holy song. And he also spent a lot of time practicing with his shepherd's sling. He would have started off just trying to hit that big tree trunk over there from 10 meters, then go back to 25. Okay, now I've hit that. That's fine. I can do that every time. Now I'm going to go for that tree between those two other ones. Got to go through there and hit that little thin thing. Got that. Now I'm going to hit something as it's going down the river. He would have just time and time and time. When you're a teenager, you've got so much time to learn to practice guitar. don't have time to practice the guitar anymore. And that's what I want you to pray for. No, no, not really. But he was skilled at it. Look at this. This is a clip of some Spanish guys, or maybe South American guys, who have been practicing with a shepherd's sling. And uh, they're about 20 meters away. And uh, they're, they're using rocks that fit comfortably in your hand. And this is, uh, this is what it looks like. This is what Goliath would have been facing, except David was running at him at the time, which is something else he had to practice. Los Asietos. Where's the volume? Got no volume. Slow motion, kapow, whack. I'm doing the sound effects for you. Here it comes back to him. And there we go again. Awesome. And we can see in through the eye of the dummy and out through the ear. Yeah. Awesome. So that'll do. Thanks, guys. And um, David was extremely confident. By the time he got to Goliath, what are you guys worried about? Who is this idiot? Let's get rid of him. The king says, well, here's all your sword and all your gear. He says, I don't need that stuff. I've, I've killed bears and lions before. You know, David's first hurdle with Goliath was not Goliath. It was the first wild animal that he had to kill. And he's lying there, probably 13 or 14. He's been practicing, and then he hears the noise he didn't want to hear. He probably, he's probably had sheep taken before, and he's thought, well, that just makes me want to practice more. And now in the middle of the night, he hears a sheep crying, and he 
grabs his gear and he thinks, his heart's pounding out of his chest. He thinks, I want to do this. This thing could turn on me. If I miss him, I'm in trouble. And that's when he's making the decision. And he grabbed it all, slipped his uh, finger into the loop at one end, put the the pebble into the uh, pocket, held onto the knot at the other end, starts swinging and running. And the creature, the bear in the darkness, he can just make it out. He yells at it, it pauses, drops the sheep, and he swings and hits it in the head. He probably had to go and club it to death with a a stick because it was probably, and there's blood everywhere. There was brains, there were bear brains. And the jaw was shattered. So when he got to Goliath, he was ready. And, you know, we need to face our challenges with that heart. Before David came along, all the Israel's army was terrified of this guy. They're all scared. And then they all come, a whole bunch of them come to David in the cave. And now look at 1 Chronicles 20, verses 5 to 8. During another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan, son of Jair, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath of Gath. The handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. In another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man with six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in all, who was uh, also a descendant of the giants. But when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimea. These Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. It wasn't just David anymore. Something had happened. All those weeks and months in the cave with David had changed them into dangerous men. And they said, oh, I could do this. I could do that. Yeah, David did it. And David is probably teaching them, yeah, guys, you can do it. You just have to trust God. You practice. You get, you make sure you've got your skills done. That's fine. But you trust God. God's with you. God's going to be with you. God is going to be your uh, victor in this. Look at uh, Psalm 57. Psalm 57 was, is all about David's time in the cave. And this is the sort of, gives you an insight into the sort of conversations they had in the cave. 400 men, probably different men cycling through different nights to hear. Tell us a story about Goliath. Tell, I haven't heard that story. Tell me, how was it? What about the bears and the, and the lions? What's all that about? And David would have talked to them about that. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I'll hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. So he's not just some superman who's afraid of nothing. He is prepared to hide if necessary. I cry out to God. He's like you and I. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I'm surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. But be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies have set a trap for me, but I am, and I am weary from distress. They've dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I'll wake the dawn with my song. I will thank you, O Lord, among the people. I'll sing your praises among the nations, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. You can just see him saying, give me a, give me a harp. 
Bring your heart. We're going to just before the sun's coming up. Going to sing. I'm going to sing to the Lord. You guys need to trust God. He's going to get us through this situation. We're being hounded by Saul and his guys, but he's going to get us through. You watch. Watch what happens. God's going to do something. He's going to move, and he starts to sing. All those psalms that he wrote started way, way back. Now, instead of running away, the people who hang around David get what he has. They catch it. And they can feel their confident level, confidence level rise. And they think, I can do this. And the same thing happened with the disciples. These are 12 nobodies. If it wasn't for Jesus picking them out and saying, come with me, we would never hear about them. Their names wouldn't appear, just like all the other people in the, Old, in the New Testament. We don't know what their names were. They're just in the crowd. But they hung around Jesus for three years. They sat with him, they ate with him, they talked with him, they heard the stories. They heard his, how, he, how he did things. They saw him pray. They went with him to pray. They listened to him pray. That's how you pray. This is how you pray. This is what you do. This is what you believe. They hung around with him and they became dangerous people. They became dangerous people. And we are just the same here at C3 Church Watson. This is like a cave in here. It's dark enough to be a cave. Here we are in the cave. Smell those bats. We come in here because Jesus is here. We sense his presence in the worship. We sense his presence in uh, just in fellowship with other people. We sense his presence through the word of God. And we, we, we mingle our heart with his heart. We catch what he has. And we keep coming back to church and church and church every week because we feel our confidence level rising. We think, I can do this. I can do this thing called life. I can take those steps and we become dangerous Christians and we can live dangerously, just a little bit more dangerously. We're nobody's nothing special until we come to Christ. We become his child. His child is dangerous. We have dangerous love. We love more. When we are hurt, we love back. We love people who don't love us. We give to people who don't care. We still, that's who we are. We have dangerous love. Our love changes things. I know whenever Melanie hurts me, I just love back. You know, it just changes the situation. Actually, it's probably more the other way. But anyway, love changes situations and we are dangerous in the, the fact the way we love people at work, the way we love people at home, the way we love people at the shops. We have dangerous prayer life, actually just on dangerous love book by a guy called Ray Norman who worked for World Vision. And World Vision sent him to the country of Mauritania, Mauritania in West Africa just after 9-11. And Americans had gone into Afghanistan, invaded a Muslim country. And uh, some of those Mauritanians weren't too happy about that. And he was driving down the road with a, his daughter. And he pulled over in one little location there to check tire pressure, I think it was. And a guy sauntered up to him, a local came over and was interested in him, spoke a bit of broken English, found out that he was American and that he was a Christian, worked for World Vision and got out a gun and shot him and then went to the car and shot his daughter. Neither of them died. The guy ran off and uh, Ray stumbled to the car and drove off, went to the nearest... the hospital, I don't know which, whether it was the nearest or not, went to a hospital, got out of the country with his family. But the point is, he went back to Mauritania. 
This book, Dangerous Love, is all about the love that he had for the people of that country. They don't know what they're doing. It's like Jesus saying, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. He went back to that country, and within a year or two, his wife and his daughter, who'd been shot, uh, were in the same room reading scriptures with the guy who'd shot them. And the book is a wonderful testimony to that love, dangerous love. I'm not saying you have to go to a Muslim country to, 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 to show dangerous love. You just have to go to the next door neighbor. You just have to go to your person working next to you in the office. Dangerous prayer. We want more prayer. We want, we want to wait more. That is dangerous prayer. Prayer, God, what do you want me to do? That's a dangerous prayer. Prayer is not something we have to do. It's not a task. It's a privilege. It's like someone saying, congratulations, you've been given half an hour with the creator of the universe. Take this ticket, go in there, and he'll be there in a moment. What a privilege. God, change the way I think about prayer, God. This is a privilege. I, go, I get the thrill of going, he's going to give me some of his time. Dangerous prayer. Hudson Taylor, on his way to start the China Inland Mission in the 1850s, his boat came from Canada and towards Asia, and then they got becalmed near Papua New Guinea, and they were just following the currents for weeks. Ocean, flat, currents pushing them towards Papua New Guinea and all the cannibals of Papua New Guinea. They got so close they could see the cannibals coming out and starting to light ovens and fires and create ovens and getting excited about what they're going to do to the people on that ship. And Hudson Taylor said to the captain, Oh, the captain said, well, we've got to put a long boat down. We've got no other option. We're going to hit the sand, and we're going to have to get off this boat, and it's better to do it while we know what we're doing rather than just accidentally fall into the water. So we'll put a boat down. We'll go, and Hudson Taylor says, stop. Look, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. The steward is a Christian. There's one other person here who's a Christian. Let's all just pray for half an hour. They each went to their own cabin to do, to do this. We'll come back here and see what God does. And they came back and, the, and Hudson Taylor said to the first mate on the ship, look, put your sail down because the wind's coming. And the first mate was not a Christian, so I, 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 I need to see wind, not just hear about wind. Great faith. And Hudson Taylor says, no, you've got to get ready. And sure enough, there's a little fluttering at the very top of the mast, just a little fluttering. And then across the water they started to see the wind approaching. And the, all the sailors went nuts, setting it all up, and they got out of there. And Hudson Taylor said this. He said, you know, when I went to pray, I just said to God, God, you told me to go to China, so what are we doing? He said, I didn't even ask God to create, to make it windy. I just reminded him of what he told me. And that's the sort of prayer life we can have. We can just get so close and hear God talk to us, say, right, that's it. That's the word. I'm going to go with that. And we need to be, have dangerous faith. What do older people regret most when they are near their deathbed? Statistically, they regret not taking more risks. And we are not here to be nice, safe, lammy Christians. We're here to be lion Christians who are loving and, and, and so on. But we also take some steps. We actually do something. We join up. We sign up. We say, I'm going to be there. And we, we come to church. We say, yep, I'm going to help move this ship. We're going to go somewhere. I'm going to carry some, some weight. I'm not just a consumer. I'm a producer. And I 
have a dangerous faith. We risk something. Canberra is a low-risk city compared to a lot of other cities. We have some businessmen in our church, which is fantastic. But in our city, we have a lot of people for whom a risk is sort of filling out an application form for another position. And God is saying, no, you've got to take some more risks than that. You can start something up on the side. Uh, Daniel Wellington Watches was started by a Norwegian guy who who just decided, he went hiking with a friend called Daniel Wellington, and he noticed that his friend had taken a nice looking watch and added a cloth uh, band to it. He said, "Why did you do that?" He said, "Oh, I just like the cloth band; it just looks a bit more funky." And so the guy went back, and his fifty million dollar business now takes thirty dollar, forty dollar watches, adds nice bands to them. And sells them for $300. You can see them on the, on the internet. Why? Because he took a step. He took a risk. Some of you, I believe, God wants you to do something like that. Because there's business in you. Uh, and that's something you need to do. But other, others of us, the risks that we need to take are not related to business. They're related to, related to our personal lives. We've got to do what these two guys did. We've got to actually ask someone out on a date. You can't just wait. Marriage is coming. I can feel it. No, you can ask someone on a date. You can take a step of faith. Sometimes a risk invo- our risk needs to, means to be honest with someone and say, look, I, I need to tell you something. That's a risk that some of us need to take. God wants us out of the boat. Don't get comfortable. Keep pushing out. I want to enlarge you. I want to enlarge a place of your, your tent. I want you to, to have more, take more ground. I want you to be a bigger person. In, this is 2018. is a year of living more dangerously than you did in 2017. I want to become more dangerous. I want to become more like him. And he's the most dangerous person we'll meet. Awesome. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord God. Father God. You know, the devil wants to break our relationship with God. We need to have dangerous prayer. He wants to break our relationship with other people. We need to have dangerous love. He wants to to intimidate us and hold us down and say, don't move from this spot. We need to have dangerous, risk-taking faith. So get him off you. Have a time with God right now. And I'd like to pray for anybody who particularly feels like God wants to uh, enlarge them with a, with a risky move this year. If you'd just like to stand very quickly right now, I'll pray for those people. If you've got some business or some decision or some risk that you need to take in the next little while, thank you. Let's just stand right now and we'll pray for these people. Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, just pray for these people who boldly stand right here and say, yeah, I'm prepared to get out of the boat. I'm prepared to do something. Lord, I pray that you reward their faith with great joy, with great confidence, and with great direction and clarity. Lord God, give them the courage and let them see the hand of God move in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.